The following audio has been brought to you by Word of Grace Community Church. For more information about Word of Grace, visit wogcc.com. Well, good morning, church family. Good to see everybody. So glad that you are here today. Um, Just so excited to be able to celebrate the good things that God has done and is doing and will continue to do here at Word of Grace. And I'm just glad that we all get to be a part. We all each have a role. We all each have a different responsibility in this thing we call the church, the body of Christ. Just like Ephesians 4 says that each one of us have a different part to play when they all work together. It's like a body where every single part that's fit together does its function and we begin to grow and edify the body and we begin to show the goodness of God in the world. And that's exactly what we're doing here is we're growing in loving God, loving people, and serving the world. Last week, we kicked off a series called Following Jesus, and we talked about the calling of Jesus, how Jesus calls, and how there were different times throughout Jesus's earthly ministry where the disciples were called to deeper places of responsibility and also deeper places of abandonment of themselves. Today, we're going to talk about how Jesus heals. When He was here on the earth, this was a large part of Jesus's ministry on the earth. He healed the sick, he healed the afflicted, the oppressed, and possessed. People, uh, they, they sought Jesus out. They wanted to hear what he had to say because they had heard that he was healing people. Everyone wants relief from whatever physical ailments or whatever emotional turmoil or pain they may be experiencing. We all seek some form of relief or another, and same was true in Jesus' day. Everyone wants that relief from suffering. Jesus was giving these people a glimpse of heaven. He was showing them what the, his, his desire looked like without any type of pain, any type of sickness, and that He was the source of healing. He was showing them what being in the presence of God brings, that He heals, that He makes whole. And He showed through His resurrection that ultimately we will forever in heaven be healed and whole with Him. We also believe that healing is a part of Jesus' ministry today. It wasn't just something that He did while He was on the earth, but Jesus still heals. He healed in Scripture, and He heals people today. But we can't figure this thing out. We've tried. We've tried to figure healing out. We've tried to come up with uh, the right formula, the right steps, the right order that we should do things to receive that healing, and it seems that no one can figure this thing out. We, we can't figure it out, but it isn't something that we can go through a certain formula to try to attain access, because Jesus never healed via any type of formula, and we need to look at this very closely in Scripture, that Jesus healed people in different ways. Every single time, it seemed like, Jesus encountered someone who was oppressed or someone who was sick, that He did things just a little bit differently. Let's go to a few scriptures today. We're going to read some stories of Jesus where He healed different people. You can go to the book of John, John's gospel. We're going to look at the ninth chapter. If you have your Bible this morning, you can go to John chapter 9. We're going to look at the very first verse of John chapter 9. So if you have your Bible, make sure you Follow along, or you can just write these references down too, because I'm going to move kind of quickly through some of these. John 9 and verse 1, as he passed by, he saw a blind man from birth and asked his disciples, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So immediately, they encounter this guy with 
that's been blind since birth, and the disciples want to know whose fault it was. They want to know, who did this? Is this his parents' fault because they were such bad people? Or has this guy got some type of sin? In other words, they're, they're trying to associate their formula with why this bad thing is happening to this person. And we do this all the time in our world. We try to figure out, why is this bad thing happening to someone? This person uh, may be seemingly a good person. Why is a bad thing happening in their lives? Somebody did something wrong somewhere along the way for this guy to have such a disadvantage in this world. And this is what Jesus said. He said, it was not that this man sinned, and it was not that his parents sinned, but rather it was so the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, because night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Verse 6, having said these things, he spit on the ground, and he made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and he came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar, they were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said it's him. Others said, no, it's, it's like a body double. You know, he's got a guy, this looks like him, but I don't think it's the same guy. And he said, no, I'm the man. I'm the guy that was blind. So they said to him, how are your eyes open? He said, this man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said, where is he? He said, I do not know. So in this instant, Jesus healed a man by making mud pies with his spit. This is in the Bible. You can't make this stuff up. It's in the Bible. Jesus spits on the ground and rubs it in a guy's eye. I don't know how you would feel about that. I mean, obviously, the guy couldn't see what was happening, so I don't know if Jesus just wasn't close to a source of water, and he's like, well, he's blind, so, you know, I don't know what was happening. But either way, Jesus spit on the ground. There was no formula to this. No one has a spitting ministry today. This is the type of stuff we try to do, though, where someone would want to start a spitting ministry, or they would go try to find the mud that Jesus made and spit in and put it in a jar and sell it for $19.95. It's miracle mud, right? And this is the type of stuff that, you know, that, that it wasn't about the mud. It wasn't about the fact that Jesus even rubbed the mud on the guy's eyes. It was just Jesus did something different for his reasons for his purpose, and we don't know what those purposes are. We can guess, we can, we can theorize, and maybe some of those things are right, I don't know. But Jesus did that when he healed that blind man, and then he healed another blind man. You remember a guy by the name of Bartimaeus? If you have been around church very long and you've read Scripture, you would have heard of that story more than likely. Bartimaeus was a blind guy. Jesus didn't spit on the ground and put that in his eyes. He healed him too. Well, why not? I thought that was how you heal blind people. Jesus did it differently. Go over to Mark chapter 7. Let's look at another story where Jesus healed someone. Mark chapter 7, we're going to go all the way to verse 31. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee to the region of Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and who had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hands on him. And he took him aside from the crowd privately this is in the Bible, and he puts his fingers in his ear and spits and touches his tongue and looks at him and sighed and said, Ephaphtha, that means be opened. And his ears were opened and his tongue was released and he spoke plainly. 
So far, we see Jesus making mud pies and giving guys wet willies, Three Stooges style. (laughs) Jesus is healing different ways here. Go over to Matthew chapter 8. Let's look at a different way Jesus healed. Matthew 8, verse 5. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home. He's suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say a word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to everyone that was following him, truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from the east to the west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into outer, uh, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And the centurion, and to the centurion, Jesus said, "Go, let it be done for you as you have believed." And the servant was healed at that very moment. So this guy was sick. No mud pies. No wet willies. Jesus doesn't even go to his house. He just speaks the word. And the guy was healed. Go over to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. We're going to look at 8 and verse 43. Luke 8 and 43. There was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. She had spent all of her living on physicians. She could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind Jesus and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter, he said, Master, the crowds, they're surrounding you. They're pressing in on you. You Everybody's touching you. What do you mean who touched you? He said, no, someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling, and she fell down before him in the presence of all the people. And she said why she had touched him and how she had immediately been healed. And Jesus said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. These are just a few examples of different miracles that Jesus performed in people's lives where a physical miracle took place, where the natural process of healing was bypassed and something supernatural took over. Our bodies try to naturally heal themselves. When you get cut, you know, your body has a natural process that God has created in place in order to try to attack that thing, heal it, bring it whole, make everything right again. Just as when disease comes in your body, God has created a natural process for your body to go through to attack that disease, the white blood cells, all those different things to try to bring you to a place of health and healing. But then a supernatural healing is when all that stuff is bypassed. The natural process is no longer the the route in which the healing is brought. It is something supernatural that bypasses that, that brings us healing and wholeness. And that's what happened in these instances. And you can look at other miracles in Scripture and see that these things were not drilled down to some one, two, three formula. Just do this step, then do this step, then do that step. 
the way I grew up, I thought we had to be good enough. We had to memorize enough Scriptures, speak enough Scriptures, get enough people praying. You know, if, if someone was, was sick and, and we would get as many people praying because we thought the more people that, you know, we had praying, the more, uh, the louder that our voice was to God. And maybe like if he was watching a TV show or something, we could get his attention, you know, kind of like your kids, you know, uh, mom, 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 mom. And then all of a sudden two, and they like start this harmonizing thing, mom, 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 mom. Mom, and then the third one, mom, 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 and you're like, what do you want? Oh, okay, sure. And we have this idea that maybe the more the more voices we have, or we think that maybe I need to try to fix some things in my life. Maybe there are certain instances where uh, you you may feel that you're you're being punished, or there's not uh, a reason that you're not seeing a healing is because of some unconfessed sin or something like that. And so people will go through these deep levels of repentance to try to somehow get what they want from God. Or sometimes the way I grew up and in the type of teaching I grew up, maybe we needed to give more money. You know, I mean that's that's sounds right, right? I mean, you know, we need to give more money because if we gave more money, that would show we had more faith, and then God would meet us where we were at, and He would do what we wanted Him to do. And so, we would just do these things trying to get what we wanted from God, or we would pray harder or longer or louder or maybe softer or whatever the case would be, and we would try to do all of these things. And sometimes it would seem like no matter how much of that stuff we would do, that we would still walk away and go, I don't know that I really saw the healing that I was believing God for, or maybe you had a lot of people praying and you lost a loved one, and you're left with a lot of questions, and you're left angry at the church, angry at God, angry at people who call themselves Christians, just angry and disappointed, and you don't know what to do about it, and you're wondering, well, I guess God doesn't heal anymore, or I guess God doesn't care about me, or maybe I didn't do it right, and maybe you take all the responsibility on yourself and wonder where you failed. Maybe if I would have tried harder, maybe if I would have prayed louder, maybe if I would have prayed longer, maybe if I would have, you know, done this or done that. And we look through all those things, just like the people who sinned. Was it, was it this man or, or was it his parents? I don't know. I've I got to figure it out because this hurts too much. This pain is too great, and I want relief from this pain, and, and I want to see this miracle happen. Or people just quit praying at all because they're like, what's the use? It's not worth it anymore because I'm not seeing God do what the pastor told me that God does, and it's not happening the way I thought it would happen, and so people get very discouraged, and they may get very frustrated and have a sore spot in their hearts that's very tender, that stays very edgy towards believing God for really anything. And folks, let me tell you, I hope that today through this message that you find a newfound faith in God, that you walk out of this place knowing that God does heal that you walk out of this place knowing that God wants to heal you even from your past wounds, that God wants to dig very deep into those places where there have been situations that have shaken your faith to the core, and that God wants your faith to be rebuilt because He is good. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I just said God is good. Amen? And when we say God is good, guess what? God gets to define good, not you, not me. I don't get to put God in my box of the definition of what I think good is because that's me trying to say, God, you're not good when you don't do this or when you do things this way. No, He's good because He's the definition of good, just like He's love because He's the definition of love. He's God. I'm not. And so I can't try to fit God in my definition of good. And I don't want to make excuses for God either because, folks, I grew up making a lot of excuses for God when things didn't work out according to our formulas. 
And I don't want to live that type of life. I want to live my life putting my hope and my trust in a God that I can count on. Amen? And a God that's faithful, and a God that I know is going to watch over His Word to see that it's performed, and a God that I know that is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and a God that I know is ultimately for His glory, and I know that He is for me and He's not against me. Amen? God's ultimate will for our lives is for us to be made whole, spirit, soul, and body. That's His ultimate will. You want to know what's the will of God? That's His ultimate will for your life and for my life, for us to be made whole, spirit, soul, and body. A measure of that we experience here on the earth, we won't see that fully uh, experienced until we see Him face to face, where Scripture says when we see Him face to face, we'll be made like Him, because you're still going to get old, you're still going to have probably some aches and pains, you're still going to go through some challenges in life, still going to experience some disappointments. I mean, if you still, you know, uh, try to uh, carry around too much weight or if you try to, uh, you know, do something that's beyond your physical uh, limitations and you're going to experience the result of those types of decisions. I know wives are probably elbowing their husbands right now and we think we can do things that maybe, you know, we could have done 10 years ago that we shouldn't be attempting. But the point is, is that our bodies are going to wear out they are going to wear out because guess what? Every one of these people that got healed in Scripture, they all died. They're all dead, every one of them. And this is the crazy part. Even the guy that got brought back from the dead, Lazarus, he died again. So how weird would that be, right? The first time he dies, it's like, come towards the light. And the second time, it's like, come towards the light. It's like, okay, I've already done this. And I mean, how did that work? That had to be like super weird. He died once, Jesus resurrects him, and then he dies again. So think about Jesus' friend, Lazarus, for a minute. The guy that was raised from the dead died again. So apparently, it wasn't Jesus' perfect will for him to live forever on this earth at the time that he lived, because otherwise he would have stopped getting old, would have never got sick again, and he would have never died again. Now, ultimately, Lazarus would never die again because of his faith in Christ, because of his relationship with Jesus, and because the old had gone, the new had come, and even though he would shed this earthly body, he as that new creation would live forever, being made whole, spirit, soul, and body in the very presence of God. Jesus, I believe, is communicating to us, even through the story of Lazarus, that this is an eternal thing, and it's about eternity. It's not about this temporal experience that we have here on earth. All we know is temporary. All we know is this earthly experience. That's all you and I really have to know about. None of us have experienced eternity. We don't really get it. We can think about it. We can imagine it, but we don't really understand it. And if the will of God is for me to be made whole, spirit, soul, and body, and live forever with Him, then I may experience some things on this earth that maybe not be the best experiences. And Jesus never said, you're going to have this amazing experience on earth. You're never going to have trouble. You're never going to have problems. No, that's not the Jesus we follow, folks. He said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. He told Peter, he said, hey, you're going to die. Not because you did something wrong, not because you don't have enough faith, not because of anything you could do to prevent it. You're going to die, and I want to know, do you still want to follow me? 
Am I still worth it? In other words, is eternity more important than this temporary experience? Is eternity with me and you trusting in eternity with me, is that more important than this earthly experience? Do you still trust that I'm good even though you're going to be beaten and nailed and crucified upside down on a cross because you've chosen to follow me? Do you, do you still think I'm good even if you end up walking that path? Do you still say yes to following me? Do you still say yes? Do you still think I'm good? Do you still think I'm loved? Do you still love me? Or are you just concerned about this temporary experience? You're just concerned about, you know, having a good retirement. You're just concerned about, you know, having a, having a few good vacations, some good memories. Is that all you're concerned about? Because Jesus said, I, I see so much more, okay? He's looking at eternity, and He's seeing from eternity's vantage point which you and I do not see. That's why it requires us to trust Him. That's called faith, that I'm trusting Him in the things that I know are true and the things that I know are real, but I can't yet see them. It's the evidence of things hoped for. It's the evidence of those things that I can't quite see. And that's what faith truly is, is me trusting in Him. Being made whole glorifies God. And it shows how good God is because He takes a broken, rebellious, sinful, dead human that He created originally to be perfect, but because of our sin, we are no longer in that state, but now He wants to redeem and restore that creation back to the perfection of His original design, complete redemption, all things made new. And any healing, any miracles that we experience on this earth are first and foremost to bring glory to God. First and foremost, that is the first and foremost purpose of any healing, physical healing or miracles, is to bring glory to God. We see that in John chapter 9, where He heals the blind man. Whose fault is this? He said, this is for the glory of God, okay? I, this man's going to be healed because of the glory of God. So here's the thing. He wanted, to show how, he wanted to show who he was and show how good God is and to reveal his perfect will for our lives. His glory, God's glory is first and foremost the purpose behind any healing or miracle we experience here on this earth. And our personal benefit from these miracles is secondary to the original purpose. Because God is in this thing for His glory. Amen, somebody? And He is worthy of that type of honor and that type of glory. And when He heals us, man, when, when He touches us physically and we see a miracle happen, when, when the supernatural takes over and it bypasses the natural, that first and foremost should bring glory to God. Secondly, it brings benefit to me. Secondly, I, I'm, I'm the fringe benefit, okay? My benefit is the secondary benefit. It's not the first benefit. The first, the first purpose, the first reason for that physical healing is to bring glory to God. The second is so that I can experience that temporary relief from whatever pain or ailment that I experience. And even though I can, I can honestly stand before you today and tell you, God has done miracles in my body, and I know that it was a supernatural bypass in things He's done in me. Is there anybody else here that you could say, yeah, God has done a supernatural work in me? Can I see your hands? Yeah? All over this place. People that can honestly say, I know God has touched me and He has healed me at different points and times in my life. And that is awesome. And that is great. And we thank God for that. And I see how God has moved in my family's life and how He's healed my children, how He's healed my wife, how He's watched over certain scenarios that there were things that made the doctors scratch their heads. 
And I thank God for those things, and I'm grateful that He has moved in our lives that way. But even though those things happen, we're still going to get older. Bodies are still going to start to break down. And guess what? If the Lord tarries and we don't experience His second coming during our lifetime, then we're going to die. I know, it's like a super cheery message, right? (laughs) But don't be scared of death. I'm not scared to die. I'm not afraid of death. Not because I'm so great, but because I know who I'm following. Amen, somebody? I mean, yeah, if I lose loved ones, will I be sad? Yes. Oh, man, I'll, I'll grieve over them. But yet, once I get my mind reset off of the temporary and onto the eternal, I realize this life is just a short experience. And the older that I get, the faster things are going. And I know that those of you that are older than me, that you understand that at a whole new level than my little 36-year-old mind ex- understands and experiences. That I can see, wow, look at my kids, oh my gosh. Oh wow, look at all the things that's happened in our lives. Wow, it seems like it happened so fast. And those of you who are even older, you're going, yeah, just wait, buddy. <laughs> it gets even faster. This is temporary, folks. And I believe that God gives us that gift of realizing how short time is the older we get. And I think that's a gift from God, not something to make us anxious, but something to make us aware that this life is not the purpose here on earth, that eternity is a lot bigger than our temporary experience. And it's just a short, small fraction of eternity, but guess what? What we do in this life is going to impact forever. That's huge. What we do in this small little snippet of experience of life that we get to live What we do, the decisions we make, the life we live, whether to glorify God or not with our lives, whether to serve Him, whether to live for Him, man, that's going to make a big impact on eternity, and not just our eternity, but our kids, our grandkids. If God so graciously gives you uh, as many years as uh, to be able to see your great-grandkids, or maybe even your great-great-grandkids, as long as you're having breath in your lungs, your your life is, is making an impact on eternity. And God's ultimate will is that you'll be made whole, spirit, soul, and body. But it's not something you're going to experience in this small time span. You'll maybe see glimpses of it. You'll see a little bit of the goodness of God in in those instances where you can go, wow, there's going to be no pain in heaven. There's going to be no tears in heaven. I was just talking to someone this morning, and they were talking about how they just laid 5,000 square feet of flooring yesterday. And they said, I can barely move today. (laughs) I know yesterday we had our church cleaning day, and a lot of you showed up to help clean. And I was on scaffolding, and Pastor Keith was pushing me around on scaffolding, and I was cleaning off these these ducks up here at church to get things ready for Easter weekend and just to do some spring cleaning. As I was up there, I thought, oh, I may meet Jesus today. (laughs) Because sometimes Pastor Keith can be ornery, and he had full he had full control of my destiny a few times, and I know he likes to laugh, and so at my expense, and uh, as I was cleaning those things, man, you know, I mean, I mean, you, you go, wow, worked really hard. I'm sore. Oh, man, I'm tired. Oh, I had my arms up there all day working. Oh, man, we did a little painting. Oh, man, I'm tired, you know, and worked a lot yesterday. Guess what? In heaven, none of that. No more pain. Pain is temporary. It's here. We experience it here. God's ultimate will 
is that you'll be healed spirit, soul, and body, that everything that has been corrupted by sin is going to eventually, when we see him face to face, that all that corruption is no longer going to touch us physically, spiritually, in our, in our mind, in our will, our emotions. All those things are going to be completely made new when we see him face to face. And people still die here on earth because we're still in a fallen system on this planet. And God does still heal. He does heal. I think that we're all testimonies of that, those of you who raised your hands and can testify in the goodness of God. And we can see that God is good and that God still does heal and He shows us His goodness and it's for His glory and for our benefit. Jesus heals today. This wasn't just something that He did on earth. We can believe and trust God to heal our physical bodies here on this earth. We can ask in faith that He will heal our elements and our ailments. And my, I know that, man, I can look back on so many stories that I could share with you where we have experienced supernatural healing that do not make sense on paper. They just don't make sense on paper. You cannot convince me that God does not heal today. You just can't. I know God heals today. You cannot convince me that He doesn't. You can show me whatever scripture you want to try to try to show me, and I can show you 20 more in context where we see God's will is that we be made whole. However, even though Jesus heals, we can't just try to use a formula to try to receive that healing. That's where we get into trouble. It's not whether or not Jesus still heals, because he absolutely heals. It's when we try to formula this thing. It's when we try to put God in a box and we try to control Him and make Him do what we want Him to do when we want Him to do it. Because we have timing issues. I don't know if you know this or not. We have timing issues as a society because we're this little thing called selfish and impatient. And we think that if something happened for someone else a certain way that it should happen for us the same way. I remember in the church that I grew up in, that when we would see God do a miracle in someone's life, it's almost like the person would get put under the hot lamp and they would get grilled and interviewed because everybody wanted to find out what did they do. So what did you do? You know, you said God bless you financially and you got a $10,000 check in the mail unexpectedly. What did you do? Okay, let me see. They'll take notes, uh-huh. And then what did you do before? We reverse engineer this thing. All right, we're going to reverse engineer it. What was the last thing you did? What was the last thing you did? And then we all would go and try to do that thing to get the thing you got. That would be the same thing if, as if we tried to reverse engineer Jesus' wet willy style to heal a deaf guy. And we went around spitting on people and sticking our fingers in their ears. They would be like, no, thank you. I don't think I want to attend your church. <laughs> I appreciate the ear cleaning, but that was awkward. That doesn't mean that God couldn't heal someone by someone doing that. I'm not saying that that could never happen again, so don't misunderstand. I'm just saying you can't set it up as the method that let's reverse engineer this thing and try to figure out how they got this thing so we can do those same things to experience that same thing. Because God is going to do what is going to serve, first and foremost, His glory. Amen? And Jesus was also showing people who He was so that they could put their faith and their trust in Him because the biggest miracle is not that someone gets healed physically. The biggest miracle was not even that Lazarus was raised from the dead. The biggest miracle is that a sinner that was destined for an eternity in hell separated from God can be forgiven and be made right in the eyes of a holy and perfect God and forgiven and restored and made new. That's the biggest miracle of all. That's the biggest miracle of all. 
And you and I have experienced that miracle through faith. And it's through faith and trust in Jesus, it's the same way that we experience healing today. That we say, Lord, the same way I'm going to trust you for my salvation, I want to trust you to heal me because I know that you're good. I'm going to trust in your timing. I don't know how many days I have left on this earth. You said it's appointed once for a man to die and then the judgment. So Lord, I want to just serve you and I want to live for you and I want to love you and I want to trust you and I want to ask because I know that you're good. And I know that you're also impartial and I know that you're the one who, if you did it for someone else, you'll do it for another. So Lord, I'm just going to ask in faith, believe that I received when I prayed. God, that you would move in this situation and that you would heal this person physically. And then it's up to God how that stuff works out. It's up to God in that circumstance because maybe that healing doesn't manifest here on earth the way we wanted it to when we wanted it to. But if they're a believer and they have their faith in Jesus Christ, that healing will ultimately manifest and it may not be till they see him face to face. But it will manifest, amen? Because he's faithful, because he's gonna do what he said he was gonna do. Sometimes we experience it here on earth. There have been times where I believed and been full of faith and just stayed sick, and I wonder what's wrong. Try to formula, reverse engineer it, see what I could do better, and it wasn't really anything I could do better. Wasn't something that I could just change on my own. Wasn't something I could just alter or tweak or try to evaluate and try to correct. I just need to trust because here's the thing. If I try to work this thing out and I try to reverse engineer and I try to make healing something I can manipulate based on my ability then what begins to happen is that I get very uneasy and I get stressed out. Because any time that you are trying to make something happen in your own strength and it becomes dependent upon you, you are stressed out. You are stressed out. Maybe you got some bad news from the doctor. You're stressed out. And you're freaking out. And you're trying to figure out, how do I do this? Maybe I call this hotline, get these people to pray. Maybe I buy this oil from this place. It's from, you know, Israel. So it's got to be like real legit oil. Maybe they anoint me with that oil. Maybe I go to this prayer meeting or that prayer meeting. Maybe I go to this person that uh, is a healer. I mean, it's, it's worth a shot, you know. And we go and try all of these different things in order to try to manipulate a response. And it's stressful. See, that's not how Jesus wants us to operate. You remember... Those of you who've grown up in church will remember the story where Jesus is in a boat with his disciples. And these guys, a lot of these guys were fishermen. We learned that last week. These guys were professional fishermen. So as a professional fisherman, out on a fishing boat, you've probably experienced your share of bad weather, would you think? as a professional fisherman. And you know what good clouds look like, bad clouds look like. You know when to get worried. And you know when to start, you know, heading back to the shore and go, hey, we need to get back to the shore. This is bad news. Well, these guys were out in the boat with Jesus and they're watching and then all of a sudden the waves get a little bigger and they're like, okay, it's getting a little uncomfortable. And then all of a sudden the waves just get out of control. The winds and the rains and everything just starts to pick up and the thunder and the lightning and man, these guys are freaking out. And where's Jesus this whole time? Guess what? He's asleep. He's asleep in the boat just chilling. And the disciples are freaking out because it's beyond their control. The storm is something they can't do anything about, no matter how bad they want to. All their skills, all their expertise, all of their strength, all of their experience in this moment means nothing. Because now they're feeling like, oh no, we're going to die in this storm. And so what do they do? In a panic, they go and wake Jesus up because they want to let him know what's going on. Jesus, Jesus, wake up. He's like, what's what's wrong, Peter? I was having an awesome dream. 
I never get to see the end of my dreams. It's like the awesome thing was about to happen. Ah, man, you woke me up. What is it, Peter? Jesus, there's a storm. It's a big storm. And I know storms because I'm a fisherman. I've been on a boat a lot. This is a bad storm. We're going to die. Jesus goes, okay. Could you guys get the coffee started? Peace be still. All right. And they're like, what in the world? They turn around, they look at Jesus, and Jesus says, oh, ye of little faith. In other words, Jesus was trying to communicate something to them. You're in the boat with the guy that created the boat. The guy who made the trees. You're in the boat with the God who spoke the waters into existence. You're in the boat with the guy who made wind, who came up with the whole idea of wind. He's in the boat. He's sleeping, and if he's sleeping, then I should feel confident to be able to take a nap too. Because if he's not worried, why am I? Are you picking up what I'm putting down? He's in the boat. And they're freaking out because they're worried about what they can't control. We do this so many times when it comes to healing. We freak out and we ask God and we're waking Jesus up and we're shaking Him and we're going, Jesus, don't you see my need? Jesus, don't you see how bad it is? Jesus, don't you see what's going to happen if this doesn't work out? And He's going, what? Why don't you just trust me? If I'm with you, don't you think I'm going to take care of you? Don't you think I'm bigger than whatever challenge you're facing? Don't you know I'm in the boat? The fact that I'm in the boat should give you peace that should pass your understanding and guard your heart and mind, regardless of what challenge, how big the waves are, regardless of how intimidating the circumstances may feel. I'm in the boat. And Jesus is saying, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I haven't gone anywhere. And if I'm with you, don't you think I'm going to take care of you? Jesus is like, don't you think that I'm not going to let my disciples drown in a boat? Don't you think that I'm bigger than this storm? And so if Jesus is resting because He is who He is and He's God in the flesh, then when the waves want to come and intimidate us, when the circumstances want to come and the bad doctor's reports want to come, We need to ask in faith, knowing who is in the boat. And then, you know what we need to do after we ask? Rest. That's the hardest part. Resting. Because we believe He's good. If I believe someone is good, and I believe that they're faithful, then when I ask, what am I going to do? What's my next job? To ask them more to get all these other people to ask with me because I'm really scared if I don't get enough people. Now, there's nothing wrong with getting people, you know, praying with you because there's power in agreement. But the reason there's power in agreement is because it stirs your faith knowing you have brothers and sisters standing with you when your faith may weaken. You've got people standing with you to help support you and pray for you who are believing God for the same thing you're believing for. That's why there's power in agreement. Not because God couldn't hear you with one person and He needed a louder person beside you. No, no, no. It's to, it's to strengthen. It's to help to build your faith, to build your trust, because He's wanting your faith to build so you can rest. This whole life, folks, 
is about us learning to trust Him and rest. And the more we can rest, the happier you're going to be. The less stressed out you're going to be. The waves can be huge. The report can be bad. You can be feeling awful. But if Jesus is in the boat, you can rest. Amen, somebody? If Jesus is in the boat, you can rest. God is always, always, always good on His terms, not mine. Jesus still heals. We can't use a formula on God to get what we want when we want because it's ultimately for His glory. We're not going to experience the full measure of God's perfect intent in creation on this earth. That's because sin is in this world and evil's in this world. God's perfect paradise with no sickness, no mourning, no pain is not meant to be experienced in this temporary life. Because we still experience pain, sickness, mourning, and death. The difference is because of Jesus, we have hope of one day never experiencing these things again. So does Jesus heal today? Yes. Not always when we want, how we want, or the way we want, but yes, He still heals. And I believe His ultimate will for us is still to be healed. We can ask in faith, knowing God is good, He's our healer, but we must remember that when we ask, there is no formula, that there's no promise of an avoidance of pain on this earth, that there's suffering here on this earth, people still die. The focus on, of our existence on earth should be for the glory of God, whether in life or in death, for the glory of God. So when someone is sick, we're going to ask, and we're going to believe, and we're going to have faith, and we're going to rest. We're going to rest, knowing Jesus is in the boat trusting in God's timing, knowing that Jesus heals, and one day we're going to be healed and made whole forever, spirit, soul, and body. Revelation 21 and 4 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Don't you look forward to that day? Don't you look forward to a day when you aren't sore from laying 5,000 square feet of flooring? Don't you look forward to the day when you're not sore and you're not suffering and you're not not dealing with that cold maybe? The aches and pains, man, the shivers. Oh, that's the worst. You don't have to deal with that There will be a day. You don't have to deal with that. Or you don't have to deal with the the fear that comes along with hearing something from a doctor. There's going to come a day where you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. You don't have to, you don't even have to think about it because it's not going to be there. That's heaven. That's perfection. That's being in the presence of God forever life is temporary and man God did not have to make healing a part of the deal he didn't if he would have just saved us from our sin that would have been enough but he also opened up a way for us to experience healing as well here on this earth and he still does do that and so when you are sick ask I'd encourage you ask and ask in faith and then what are you what should you do next then you should rest and maybe there's some additional things that you need to do personally because perhaps some of the physical challenges you experience are because of bad decisions, bad habits. There's also personal responsibility that comes into play. 
I mean, we can't go through McDonald's drive-thru 10 times a day and say, God, I feel bad. You're gonna, you're gonna feel bad. That's a bad decision in case you weren't aware. You gotta take responsibility for your personal health and do the things you can do. And, and thank God, isn't God good that, that he even gave us plants and herbs and, and, and these things, they, they, they make these medicines and God's given people wisdom to know how to put these things together. And how, how amazing is that? How good is God? How good is God that, that he even gives people wisdom to know how to take care of and treat certain things. And I mean, uh, science has been able to do some amazing things, but it's been God leading and guiding and giving us the wisdom to be able to do all that stuff the whole time. It's amazing. All that's for the glory of God too. But that's not the end goal. The end goal is for you to be made whole where there's no suffering, no more pain. But I want you to be able to know you can ask and ask in confidence and faith, knowing that it is God's ultimate will for us to be healed and made whole, spirit, soul, and body. And we ask and we say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to rest. I'm not going to try to formula this thing, reverse engineer it, worry myself. Because when I know who's in the boat, it should cause a peace that should help me to live my life in a way where I can experience the joy of the Lord. And then instead of me trying to look for my own avenue of physical strength, the joy of the Lord becomes my strength. Because His joy is overflowing in me because I have peace that comes from Him. Peace like a river is just flowing, man. It's in me. It's out of me. And people can say, you, you got that bad report. How could you have so much peace? Because you know who's in the boat. Amen? <laughs> you know who's in the boat. So I want to pray for you today. And if you have any prayer needs of any kind, our prayer team is going to be up here at the front. Before you leave, you can come and receive prayer for whether it's a physical healing, whether you're going through something emotionally whether there's something going on internally, you got some type of war you're fighting, let go of that pride and just say, hey, would you pray for me? Because we believe there is power in agreement, as Scripture says. We believe there is power in prayer. Amen? And so we pray. And, and man, if you're that person today, I want to talk to you for just a minute before we go. If you're that person today that your faith has been shaken because you didn't receive something you thought that you needed from God when you thought you needed it. And you're disappointed. You lost a loved one. And you were standing in faith. You thought you were doing everything right. You had everybody and their dog and their cats praying for you. It still didn't go your way. And you're struggling as a result of it. There's, there's some unresolved things in your heart. Or your faith has been shaken away. You don't even want to pray anymore. You're like, what's the point? What's the, what's, the, what's the use? God wants to heal you today from your woundedness. And he wants to show you that he's still good. Maybe in your definition, maybe you didn't get what you wanted, but it's not about you getting what you want. It's about God's glory. Amen? As a pastor, I've done my fair share of funerals and as I've done those things, I've seen God move even in death in powerful ways where people come to Christ and their eternities are changed. I've seen families brought together. I've seen God work so miraculously. And so whether in life or death, for the glory of God, for the glory of God. 
Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this opportunity that we've had to explore Scripture and see how you have healed people all sorts of different ways and how it's not up to us to try to dictate how it goes. But we know that you heal. We know it's part of who you are. So I would pray that you would heal people today so they can see your goodness, so they can see the reality of your healing power still working in the earth today. Those who may be sick or afflicted or those who may be oppressed today, I pray you heal them, Lord, and I pray that you stir in them, God, a deeper trust. I pray those who are wounded that they would lay down their pride and that they would lay down their burdens at your feet, Lord, and find healing and wholeness in you alone. I pray you work from the inside out, Lord, and that you grip them at their core. You grip them at the core of who they are, and you bring about a healing in their heart. Do it, Jesus. Do the unseen healing, the the heart work healing. Do it, Lord. I ask you to stir up faith in people who have allowed hardness to set in and bitterness to set in. Pray you break that hardness today by your Holy Spirit and you bring about a healing in people's hearts today. Restore their faith and their trust. Let them know you're in the boat, Lord, and they have nothing to fear. We love you, Lord. Thank you for moving in our hearts and our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Word of Grace. For more sermons or any other information, visit wogcc.com.